Welcome back to the Kingsway Podcast. Welcome. Glad you're here. Ryan, we're doing something different today. Yeah, you're going to mustache, soul patch. <laughs> I think you actually had that in the last one. I but. did. However, uh, maybe those that are listening uh, didn't realize that I was going mustache, soul, soul I patch. thought you would realize if you were just listening because you would hear how much more clearly his voice comes through when it's not muffled by the beard. Yeah, the jawline just screams, <laughs> middle-aged man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not- Actually, I have a friend who goes to Ozark who listens to this podcast. We've talked about him before, Zach. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this semester at Ozark, I'm teaching private drum lessons for credit mm. to worship creative arts students and whoever else wants to take it who's a college student. Yeah. Um, and the way we do it, this is all going to come to a point. About the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> the way we do it, we're in a small room. We're playing two drum sets, so it's so loud. I was going to say. So what we do is we set up two microphones like this and headphones, and that way I can play music off my laptop. I can play a metronome. I can do whatever. We can play how we're going to play when we play in a big room or when we play for mm-hmm. church or something like that, and we're not destroying our ears, but because of that, it's headphones and mics, and so this guy... Uh, has been in that room. I'm not going to break FERPA, um, but he's been in that room and he's worn the headphones and I've been like, welcome to the Chapel Basement Podcast. <laughs> and every time he makes fun of me right after you say welcome back to the Kingsway Podcast, I go, welcome. <laughs> and so he'll always walk in that room and be like, welcome to the Chapel Basement Podcast. He'll go, welcome. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, uh, I am glad you're here. Welcome back. I, uh, Welcome. <laughs> we're doing something a little different today, and it's not just my facial hair, and it's not just the way we do our intro. It's actually mm-hmm. a whole different style. I've never done, uh, I don't think, this specific idea. It's uh, Sunday Study Hall-esque S- because of where we are, but it it's just also something cool we heard. We it is. Talk about I, it. You know, it's, I think we've always wanted this to be a curious learner's conversation, right? Yeah. We're just like trying to observe. That's in our listen. description on like Apple podcasts or whatever. It is. And I, you know, you and I both like to discuss things that get our minds percolating and get mm-hmm. our thoughts going. And I always love when somebody says something or something is dictated in a way that just brings so much clarity um, to either yeah. conflict, um, to tension or to, uh, you know, I would say magnify or or bring light to something that I'm like, yes, that matters. Mm-hmm. I had one of the most frustrating thing happen um, right after my sermon on Sunday, and I want to tell you all about it. Um, and I also want it to be helpful. <laughs> now, this is not the Sunday study hall where we go in depth on your sermon from Sunday. No, but uh, in case people are listening to this like years in the future, in case it's thirty thirty four uh, that year. <laughs> Um, I'm, what you, I'm showing you preach to my on kids. On Sunday? So <laughs> I did my best on Sunday to talk about the differences between the friend groups that you see Saul having in Acts and this amazing list of people that Paul, same guy, just different name, has acquired at the end of Romans 16. And oh, thankfully I had somebody else read the list. Yes. Mark, shout out. Someone who has the spiritual gift of... Uh, being able to read. 
I've never felt more insulted and also simultaneously. Been I, I was trying to come up with the word dyslexia and I forgot it. And I just said being able to read. Uh, someone else that, that has was more insulting. Someone has the gift. Someone has the gift of memorization and pronunciation and as not well. having dyslexia. Yes, and so which would make all that way. It would team. make it super. Oh my gosh, I yeah. had to read like four names in my sermon on Sunday yeah. in different texts, and I, I butchered all of them. Even when I knew the name Judas, Judas Iscariot, my brain just can't say that in the moment. So I had to try to read it was horrible i don't know if you heard me try to say it but it was I don't know. bad i would just assume judy's blariat it was bad dude i don't even know what i said but after no. i said it i was like another sentence down and i had yeah. to go back and be like i know what that is judas iscariot in the moment lost it anyway so i preached this sermon on this concept of your relationships are going to be defined by how healthy you are and as you get healthier your relationships should get more healthy like you should have healthier relationships around you and you should be making and building healthier relationships. And I said, you can see this flat out in Saul becoming Paul that his relationships completely change. Um, yeah. And I was just trying to make that observation, trying to ask the question and using two ingredients, humility and vulnerability as a, as a helpful tool to healthy relationships. Yeah. I don't think it was a horrible sermon. I no. tried to give very specific things. And I feel like the concept is pretty clear and helpful. It is, you can have all sorts of relationships, non-existent, toxic, like belittling. You can have all those kinds. But if you want to have long-lasting, healthy relationships, this sermon series has building blocks. Yes. So today we're talking about humility and vulnerability and how those lead to healthy relationships. They do. Great. Makes sense. It does. And I, I love the concept and then I went and listened to a sermon as I was working out a couple hours after I finished this sermon on a By Sunday By an morning. unnamed person named Stanley and <laughs> Andy the the cowboy. I mean, Andy uh, from Woody. No. Andy Macho Man. <laughs> Savage. Andy yeah. Stanley from North Point. And he's <laughs> obviously, I'm like, I am a slight fanboy. He is one of my favorite preachers to listen to. I find him incredibly engaging and clear and the way his mind mm -hmm. works. I, I just, there's just certain people when you listen to him, I feel like it just clicks yeah. with your brain. He has always clicked with my brain. I feel like the thing you like most about him is his wordsmithing, always. which which is another way of saying his clarity, but also his poetry. That like, even if he said something you disagreed with, he would say it in an ultra clear way. He has all these little axioms slash like proverb things that he yeah. has written into their vision and how he communicates topics and the way that he can piece together how to how to watch something like complex become something very simple is he ties whole sermons and ideas in one thought, one thought that you can remember. And so then when he introduces something new, he attaches it to those larger, those large subjects and these small little things. Yeah. And it just, it just, it makes you be able to see a mosaic of really big, complicated things in very simple words. Yeah. And it seems very clear and precise. And to me, he's also never seemed uh, like the mega church pastor. No. When I think mega church pastor, I think ripped, shredded, wearing a suit or something that like a rapper yes. would wear and really expensive sneakers. I think they fly a private jet and they have the personality to match. He does not seem like that guy. He seems like I'm going to wear my long sleeve plaid button up shirt every day of the, for the rest of my life. And these dockers. And these dockers. Yep. 
or jeans. And I it, listen, I love his heart. I, I feel like every time I've seen him, met him, talked to him personally, even at conferences or whatever, there's just a realness to him that I've always yeah. really enjoyed. Um, I mean, all that to be said. So I listened to the sermon just because they're starting a new sermon series. I kind of like to listen to what other people do right around the same time I do. I find that most of the time, this is really weird, but the Holy Spirit has like subjects that just come out that are like similar a lot, mm-hmm. like like yeah. legitimately, like across states, no no talking. It's just like, yeah, this is what we need to be talking about. Yep. And this sermon that I listened to was not exactly my sermon. It wasn't exactly, but he used Saul and Paul, <laughs> and he talks about some very similar uh, things, and he gets to the root of what I was trying to expose. And he does it in a way that is just so incredibly powerful. And so what I wanted to do was rather than just replay the whole sermon, because that would be good, and we can link the sermon below. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, I want to play for Ryan actually hasn't even heard the sermon yet, nope. so he has no clue what's going on. <laughs> I want to play a small clip um, for us to kind of use as kind of a launching slash um, kind of a landing strip. Uh, launching of the as conversation, but springboard, then, diving board. Yes, uh, yeah. but I also want it to be the place that, like, when this is over, we can talk for a little while because I think yeah. there's some really cool ways that this concept is just so incredibly needed right now, um, and it's I think what's missing, and often what he would even say right before this clip starts that when you see it, you know it. Like when you see mm-hmm. it and you hear it, like you're like that. That's it. But when uh, when you when it doesn't go off or when it's not around or when it's not like you almost forget that you need it, if that makes sense. And so, yeah. Um, that being said, like this isn't like the end all of end all clips. And and I'm not trying to like, all I want you to do is listen to an, listen to this clip with an open mind and try to recognize that, that this is the last eight minutes of a 30 minute sermon. So like, if you, if you're like a little confused, you're like, Oh, I don't quite get it. I'll help clarify it here in a little bit, but I think this is, incredibly poignant and very, very cool into what Paul and what Andy is trying to draw out as the most powerful and the most tempting thing to get wrong at times inside the gospel. So it's simultaneously mm. this this amazingly powerful thing that we can tap into, but we have this incredibly te- like tempting thing to not use it and not yeah. to step into it. So without further ado, I'm going to play this clip and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Currently, this is so disturbing to me. Maybe it doesn't disturb you currently. There, there are streams of Christianity in our nation, Christianity, that unapologetically reject and resist the way of the cross because it's perceived as too weak and too passive. The statement I hear and read all the time on these, you know, the crazy social media stuff I follow is, it won't work, it won't work, it won't work. But it did. It's, it's why we're here. It's why the cross is the global icon for your faith and mine. It's why it's the symbol, this symbol of suffering and shame, as the old hymn says. Suffering, the symbol of suffering and shame is our icon. Why? because it depicts better than anything else from ancient times, the otherness, the backwardness, the oppositeness of the message and the way of Jesus. 
a way of living that's gonna always feel risky and never intuitive. And that's why we're tempted to abandon it every single day. This is why perhaps Jesus made the following statement. Now, when I read you the statement by Jesus, um, you've heard this before, but, but we immediately put it into a theological context with, because we know the end of the story. But remember, when Jesus said this, he'd not died on a cross yet. Nobody understood he's offering salvation from sin yet. There, there was no association of him dying on a cross. This, the cross just represented what the cross represented in first century um, Judea. And here's what he said. He said, whoever, and that may be me and you and all of us. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, which is a follower, must deny themselves. That is, you say no to you and you take up their cross daily and follow me. When he said this, they're like, wait, 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 Jesus, you're a rabbi. Maybe you don't understand how this works. Let me explain what rabbis do. See, rabbis take the Torah that we all agree with and they explain it in new and different ways so we can apply it in our new culture because you know us first century people, we're modern people, right? Those ancient people. So we're learning to contextualize Torah. So you can illustrate it, you can teach it, you can apply it, you can re-explain it, you can tell stories about it. But, but you, you gotta kinda stay with the party line. You kinda gotta go with the flow. Take up a cross and follow you. That sounds like you're gonna move in the complete opposite direction. Yes. And you're gonna have to deny yourself in order to do this. And he says, daily, why daily? Because every day I'm tempted to opt for the kingdoms of this world approach to everything. Every time something doesn't go my way, every time somebody disagrees with me, every time somebody hurts my feelings or says something bad about you, or every time, and just I mean, every single day, because I wanna win and I wanna come out on top and I wanna look good. In fact, I wanna leverage my humility to look good. Oh, that was amazing the way you responded to that. Yeah, I was humble, humble, that's me, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just in me, it's in you, right? And the cross, and, this, and when he said this, this had nothing to do with dying for anybody's sin. God's not asking you to die for anybody's sin. He's asking you and he's calling me to live in a completely different direction. So wrapping up this first episode, I wanna to try to bring this down to our real world. Because for some of you, it's like, yes, finally. For others of you, it's like, that is so scary. Others of you, it's like, I really don't even know what you're talking about. You've kept my interest, but I still don't even know what you're talking about. So here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna give you a little bit of homework to make this practical. I wanna encourage you or challenge you. And the thing is, if you're not a Christian, you should play along with this. It's not gonna hurt anything, okay? Just think about this. I wanna challenge you to take a question with you into this next week, okay? I don't want you to act on it. It's too early, okay? It's too risky, honestly. I don't want you to act on it. I just want you to consider it. And, um, and, and, and this is, I gotta say this for somebody, some people in the room or some people listening, this is for you personally. This is not for the future of the United States of America or you know, Russian US policy or what's going on in Ukraine or what about the second world war? What, I mean, don't, just don't go there. This is for you personally. And I wanna say this, I'm not asking or suggesting that you step back into a toxic relationship. This isn't that. Or that you stay in a toxic relationship or a dangerous relationship. This isn't that. So take those extremes off the table. Otherwise, you're gonna talk yourself out of trying this. And this is for you personally. This week, anytime there's a disagreement or a conflict at home, it could be simple. It could be, I had that first. Well, I had it first. I got there first. No, you got there first. You know, whatever, whatever it is. I want you at home, at school, wherever you are, to just ask yourself silently in that point of tension, 
What would choosing to lose look like in this situation? What would, what would it look like if I just let the other person win? What, what would it look like to let them go first even though I was here first? What, what would it look like to just let them take credit even though it really, the, the credit doesn't belong to them? What would it look like to just defer to them? What would it look like in this situation to choose to let them win? And think about this. There is a big difference. There's a big difference between losing and choosing to lose. Choosing to lose does not make you a loser. Choosing to lose may make you more like your savior. And here's why. Because choosing to lose is not a sign of weakness. It requires strength, unnatural strength. Some might even say supernatural strength. Let's take Paul's word and stick it in there. We're gonna come back to that next week. It requires power. It requires what Paul will refer to in a different book of the New Testament, supernatural resurrection power. And that's why when you see this, you stop and stare because it is so unusual. It is so uncharacteristic. It is so otherworldly. And this to some extent, and you gotta sort this out in your own world, with your own family, with your own finances, with your own situation. I, I, at some point I have to just stop and trust you with it. This in some way reflects and represents the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. What, what would choosing to lose look like in this situation? And a good place to start might be the parking lot on your way out <laughs> this afternoon. And we will pick it up there in part two of Icon, the empowering invitation of the cross. So there's that clip. I know it was a little long. Thanks for sticking in. I was like six mm -hmm. or seven minutes there, but yeah. Um, first reactions from you. That's your first time hearing it. So like what a... Uh, what stuck out to you? Like, what, what caught your attention? This sounds... <clears throat> I think you already knew I would like this. This sounds like um, the Christian nonviolent resistance sort of um, thing that I think we've talked about before on the podcast that I find really compelling um, within Christianity. But usually that conversation is... What would you die for? What would you always the super extreme? Mm -hmm. This is the end of your life choosing to make this decision or you're risking it all. Mm -hmm. um, I find it really valuable what he's saying that like uh, that the way of Jesus day to day monotonous life. He didn't feel this need to win this need to overpower and make sure you get what's yours and whatever that we feel. Um, and I feel every time I'm on I-44, <laughs> I go 75, maybe 77 on my own. But when prompted by someone else's injustice, uh. I will go above that. <laughs> I'm not going to confess how far above that. <laughs> 
but I've gone significantly above that speed. Not in work zones, not in school zones, whatever. But like, but like when prompted by like, yeah. this guy's about to take my ability to not be behind a semi. I will go very fast. And it's it's not life or death, so it doesn't, you, you like don't trigger that thought in your mind of like, will I be a moral person right now? And almost until afterwards where you're like, I feel justified. I feel like if I watched a security camera video of this, I'd, I'd feel a little embarrassed. But So there's a line in this that I know you would love. It's in a different section. Um, yeah. And he makes a clarification that I've never heard someone clarify before, but I had heard it t- discussed in a similar way. And I want to get back to this idea of the cross being powerful in loss, which is yeah. what he says yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end, which is really cool concept. And I'd never heard it, the choice choosing to lose is different than losing. I love that idea. That is yeah. such a cool concept. Parents do that all the time. It's a parental thing. Yeah. I am choosing to allow my kid to win because I value them. And I instill in them value by... It's not like they overpowered you in any no, way. No, no. And I see that. But what he says earlier is no, nowhere in the gospel can you ever see an account of the Christian faith needing a violent defense. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus, I mean, this is shown in the chosen, mm-hmm. but it's off of an assumption yep. that Jesus, one of his 12, well, one of his 12 is a hothead, Peter, yep. who just like gets angry and wants to get in fights. He has the sons of thunder, James and John, who yep. want to call down fire on somebody. And he has a guy who I don't remember any situation where, where this comes up, Seems like but it's his name, yep. Simon the Zealot, Zealot. <laughs> Simon the Assassin, Yep, the blade wielding, whatever. <laughs> Never uses him. Yep. And the concept that he says in there, which is the concept that I'm going to pull out of uh, The Insanity of God, which is a book by... uh, uh, Nicholas Ripkin. And it's amazing. It's also Mm -hmm. not his real name, but anyway, that's it. But that's a really good book. But the the idea there is that there may be a time for violence, but it should never be in defense of religious views. Yeah. And so he's kind of taking this like line of like maybe there's an opportunity to defend but but it should never be in the name of Jesus. Yeah, I just had this conversation not necessarily about violence but about like mm-hmm. taking a strong stand and whatever. Um who who needs protection? Who needs mm-hmm. maybe violent protection? Which again kind of goes in the face of the nonviolence resistance but whatever. Um mm-hmm. who needs violent protection? It's the weak. Mm-hmm. It's the poor and the powerless. They need that, and they don't have that. Who does not need violent protection? God Almighty, yep. with the cattle on a thousand hills, who created all existence. Like, he does not need protected from Christopher Hitchens. May he rest in uh, wherever he is. Uh-huh. I was going to say peace, but I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm not going <laughs> to promise anything. Yep. Um, but, like, like, it's good that somebody apologetically, it was just like a defense of the faith, not yeah. necessarily angry or violent, but it's good that somebody would give answers to his questions. But there are other people who feel like I have to be angry and militant in arguing at yep. whatever. So I just had this conversation with somebody in the past couple of weeks where they were like, you know, I, I don't feel called to be a wimp. I don't want to let people walk all over my faith. I need to let them know what I stand for. Mm. Uh, I don't know if those were the exact words, but that was the attitude. I, I don't think it strayed too far from what they said. And what I talked to them about is like, nobody needs fought into the faith. And also God doesn't need defended from anything because nothing can harm him in that way. Yeah. Uh, Like the only things that harm him, the only things that hurt God 
are the choices we make that are bad for ourselves and that dishonor him that he allows us the free will to do. And that was make him sad, but nothing like hurts him that we can do. Well, and so like yeah. our, our answer to somebody said that Jesus wasn't even real or that Jesus is stupid. Like Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. Yeah. He's plenty strong enough. And I think that was the distinction that I found really hopeful was just like this idea of like, and, and I, why I bring it back to, the insanity of God is when yeah. the church in China was smuggling in Bibles and like yeah. having church in secret, they had a rule that they were only, they were allowed to lie to save people to like protect yeah. people. They saw that as, as like that's morally okay, upright. morally upright and good. They weren't allowed to lie about their faith. So if somebody yeah. straight up asked them, do you go to church? Do you believe in Jesus? They would say yes. But if they're like, where are the other believers? They're like, I don't know. They could lie. Yeah. But that was the distinction was like, yeah. I can do this. And I feel like it's the violence is the same way. It's like, yeah. if it's for your personal safety or for the safe or like to defend the church in like a religious setting, it just makes no sense to me. It's like it's, kill the infidel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, why would you never like, where does faith come into that for mm -hmm. you? And that's why I think why they made that distinction is like, uh, and I think the point you're trying to make from earlier in that sermon is, how do we practically actually trust in the power of the cross? Exactly. So for me, not the same thing at all. No government is out trying to stop me from being hired by a church to do pastoral work. Yeah. But uh, I've felt the tension sometimes when um, we've, we've gone to Colorado this year and to Oregon and to Boston and all these other places that are way less the buckle of the Bible belt, like mm -hmm. Mount Vernon, Missouri, and I've felt the tension if I get into small talk conversations with people. They say, what do you do for, for work? I feel the tension of being like, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Or saying, I'm paid to lead music at a church, which is like as, as far off as, I, <laughs> as yeah. I can possibly be from yep. the possible tension that that... Mm -hmm. And, and I, I feel that like... Oh yeah. That draw to be like, what if I just didn't get into this conversation right now? Yeah. And I can't say I've never done that. Well, and I mean the the cool thing so to to get back to the clip because I yeah. I really yeah, yeah, want yeah. I really want us to think about what he's basically putting out there as a possible theory and I think is a very good evidence and I think he's directly hitting the nail on the yeah. head. Um and it's something that throughout the whole sermon, he sets that whole section up. But what I really liked about that is this concept of, of choosing to lose. Yeah. Um, I, I have felt that a lot in my lifetime where there are just chances and opportunities and things that go your way that you can choose to elevate other people or you can choose to try to fight for every little thing you deserve. Yeah. And to get all that you deserve out of it and to make sure, you know what I mean? That you, yeah. that you are seen and heard and valued and, and all this, or you can choose to leverage everything you have to elevate others, to be generous, to, um, yeah. to give kindness. One of those looks like Jesus. And one of those looks like a scared, like Panther in the jungle. Mm. Everything is fear-based. Everything is instinct-based. Everything yeah. is carnal and that's that's a distinction that I, I love making because I feel like sometimes people think, 
How do I grow closer to God? Pray, read my Bible, mm-hmm. done. And and they don't think that the ways to get closer to God are to treat God's people, people God made, not necessarily Christians, but just anybody, well. They don't see that as a way to get closer to God. But honestly, doing those things positive, adding adding niceness to others on your list of spiritual things to do, and adding denying yourself. Yep. So I put this into context with my sermon. Yeah. If I had preached the same thing I preached, and I ended my sermon by talking about family relationships, friend relationships, marriages, and I talked about how humility and vulnerability were necessary opponent like components to making yeah. those relationships healthy, um, and you had to wield them in your own life in order to wield them into a relationship. I think about this idea in those. It's humility and vulnerability. You yeah. are letting people have a chance to hurt you, and you are humbling yourself below them. Yeah, you are choosing to lose. Yeah, for them, for their benefit, and that means sometimes admitting your half of what is wrong before they ever even see what they did wrong. That yeah. means sometimes allowing yourself to be in a position of possibly getting hurt in order to figure out how to love them. And it it just it, in my mind as I was listening through this after just preaching what I did, it's just. I was dancing around this in my sermon, and I don't think I like missed it by any means, but what I was trying to talk about was elements of the cross is power without ever really mentioning the cross as the central revealer of yeah. the need of these things. It just he did such a good job of and I and I listen, the sermon this is the first of four sermons. Um, the third of his. of his, the third one's called humility. So like, yeah, he, he's getting he's there. He's this. going to get there. Yeah. Um, and so in my mind, it, it was just, it was such a healthy thing for me to hear. Um, it was such a healthy thing for me to know. Cause Ryan, think about this. How many times have, have you ever been sad or blue or, or thought through some really hard relationships that you have? And, and you said something like this, like, when is it my turn to win? When, when, do, when, when do I get what I want? Yeah. Why why do I feel like I never get what yeah. I want? Why do I feel like I'm always giving everybody else what they want? If I can be real honest, haven't felt that a ton a ton in the past couple of years. But at a previous place of employment, I felt that a lot. Yes. Why am I not in these meetings? What is like almost what is wrong with me mm-hmm. that other people get the benefit of the doubt and I don't? And it's like waiting for my just desserts, waiting for people to recognize me the way I feel other people are easily recognized. And and that feeling, I know that feeling really well. <laughs> well, and I think that feeling is how this world operates, if that makes sense. But yeah. once once you operate with the cross yeah. as your measuring or as your uh, focus point, it changes. You're like, I have been chosen. I have yeah. one. I have I have total victory. And like, that that difference is confidence. Mm-hmm. It's confidence uh uh that by being humble you're not putting everything on the line. Yeah. This is this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount like we just preached in the past couple months. Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy where thieves can't break in and steal. Mm-hmm. That's why like all my favorite people, all the happiest people I know, all the people full of most joy, but also compassion. They're not robots. 
but they're like the most real I've ever seen. All those people have this like otherworldly security yep. that's like everything that happens here is real, but I can't lose everything. Yeah. When I play around in this world, when I sacrifice in this world, when I give up my time and my effort, and my money and my whatever, when I give up food, when I give up the right to win. Yep. Well, and I don't lose everything. I don't want to ruin the whole sermon or spoil yeah. the whole sermon, I should say. But one of the things he talks about is like when you have the cross as the center, it's flowing in the spirit of what God was trying to do. Yeah. It's living in the spirit of what Jesus was up to and what God's plan was. And he says, and the spirit produces fruit. And so it's like when you live in the power of the cross, guess what shows up? The fruits of the spirit. And the fruits of the spirit are meant to demonstrate this idea of others winning. So yeah. what is kindness? But I will take my strength and allow you to use it when you're weak. Like that's what kindness is. I'm strong. Take, borrow my car. I will put my my strength on you yeah. while you are weak. Uh, what is patience? But me allowing you to set the pace and then to me walk at that pace with you, whatever that mm -hmm. pace may be. Um, and so he just walks through a few of those fruits of the spirit, just going like, these are selfless gifts of loss. Yeah. to the person that's offering them, and they naturally flow out of you. That's the fruits of what it means to be in that mentality. And it's, can we get a little theological for a minute? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we talked, ooh, like 60, 80 episodes ago about Shane Wood's book. Between oh, like almost 100 episodes, yeah. more than 100 ago, uh, Between Two Trees. And that book is all over the place. It has so many things to say about so many things. But it has this image in the middle that other people have talked about throughout the history of the church and history of people who know Jesus, that there's this tree of life that bookends this, the story of creation, the story of scripture, a tree of life in the very first couple chapters of the Bible and the very last couple. And this tree of life is how, uh, how we live forever is part of it. Mm -hmm. But how we receive God's gift for us to live forever with him is the more full picture. And we are not in the shade of either of those two trees. We're under the blazing sun in the spot in the middle of them on this journey. But we, as people after Jesus, have the cross, the tree in between two trees. Well, the tree of life doesn't just give you life by you looking at it or sitting under the shade. It gives you life because of the fruit it gives. And it's a giant metaphor for giving. So if you want to talk about the cross is our icon, the cross is our mm -hmm. tree, and the fruit of the Spirit, those, the fruit of the Spirit is being grown on the cross. Yep. Uh, by empowered by the Spirit, growing through the power of the Spirit. As we pick up our own crosses, we are growing the fruit of the Spirit. As we are letting the Holy Spirit turn us into Jesus, we're growing the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, yeah. And that fruit of the Spirit is life. And that's, that's one people. of my favorite things about this whole sermon and this whole concept is when he says, pick up your cross and follow me. I have always been taught that you're going to suffer, you're going to have to die to yourself, but I've never heard pick up the power of the cross yeah. daily. Like pick up what this cross can change and do to the world. Like yeah. it's it's not like a pick up your, you know, this horrible thing that had to happen. And, and it, it is some of that. It is, but it's also, yeah. you know, it releases. It's horrible, but it's been transformed into yes. powerful. And so the power of it now is that the illustration was used to demonstrate what it's going to cost. 
and how hard it's going to be and how it's going to look like losing to this world. But we know the rest of the story that it's also going to be the entrance into a powerful display of how the world is going to be turned upside down, how this is not going to be the place of ultimate victory. And it's just, I think Paul, you know, he obviously harps on it a lot, but Paul just recognizes this again and again and again and again and again. And he's like the, the cross, the power of the cross, like the mystery of the cross, like the mystery of what God has done. Like, there's something yeah. in the way that God wins through this incredible sign of of almost like uh, selfless, yeah. self-giving love. And that's the thing. The cross is a symbol for Jesus. It's an mm-hmm. icon for our faith, like yep. he was talking about. But it, it symbolizes what God does. It isn't yep. like a tool God uses to do something, but that isn't him, Yep. That, that he does other things. That's like a summary of God himself in that the reason that the other tree in the garden was so bad was because it was self-taking and not self-giving. Yep. That God himself is self-giving. He's always giving, always loving, always supporting. And sometimes that love looks like judgment and correction and 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 punishment for how that individual or that thing has hurt other people that God made and loves. Mm-hmm. But he is always giving out himself. He's always yeah. putting his own neck on the line, even though I just said earlier in this podcast that nothing can hurt him. But things can hurt his feelings. He can be crushed. Like, like you don't necessarily hurt, physically hurt a parent yeah. by the death of their child. But you do wound them in a way that, like, oh. is a big scar. So God is cares. Yes. He cares about he all does. of this. He does. But, but he's always, like I said, he's always in Trinity in all three persons, giving to the other members of the Trinity, loving them, supporting them, lifting them up. And that love pours out of it through the cross, through the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. So the choice to take from the other tree is, I don't want to be like God in giving myself away. Mm-hmm. I want to take for myself. Absolutely. Which comes out of a posture of insecurity. Yep. Anyway, okay. So that, that and, and I mean, if you listen to the sermon, which I highly recommend, we'll link. That's the start of the whole thing is this temptation yeah. that Jesus faces in John. Um, yeah. <laughs> where, you know, the third temptation is the devil takes Jesus up on top of the mountain and, and literally says he displays all the kingdoms of the world and all their authority. And the concept is like, I will give you every possible authority that, that exists right now. You will have complete reign. You can do so much good with that. And what it, what it postulates is that Jesus is coming to take over like David. He's going to reign like the good king of this world. And when he turns it down, what Andy says is then there must have been something else that was greater than that. Because mm-hmm. if, if that's what he came for, he got it. And so why wouldn't, it doesn't matter what he, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing he wants. But he turns it down, not just because he'd have to bow to the devil, which is a sign of obviously the garden again with Adam. Yeah. But it's also because he came for something greater than that. And he knew that. And what did he come, what, what could possibly be greater than all the authority of earth well, it's not of this earth. That's why. It's yeah. it's not of this world. It's otherworldly. It's a different way to live a yeah. new kingdom. When you're Jesus, when you've seen across the veil, I'm sure Satan had to, when you've seen across the veil, when you've seen all of God's creation, when you were there in the beginning saying, I will give you the power and authority of all the kingdoms of this world, sounds like I'll give you all the change in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah, well, like that's not very much. Well, or or like, hey, I uh, have this really cool 1990 Chevy. 
and yeah. uh, it's the nicest 1990 Chevy you've ever seen. And he's over there like, I got a spaceship, bro. Like, I don't know if I'm going. <laughs> My dad owns the car I'm, lots on a thousand I'm like, hills. I'm going, I'm going to Mars. I don't need a 90 <laughs> Chevy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a new world. Like, I'm not yeah. staying here. So, like, why would I need a Chevy at all? Like, yeah. I'm not going to be around here anymore. I'm going to a different place. And so I think, you know, it, it starts to make you understand that why this feels so hard, why this is so challenging, why this is so counterintuitive is because it's not the natural operating system. Yeah, it is not the natural spirit or life that we have. It's a new, holier, better, different, set apart way to live. So yeah. I just thought this was worthy of our time. I thought the discussion yeah. would be healthy. I think it is. I hope it stirs you to go and start this series and maybe even listen to it. I know it's going to be inspiring me and and helping me think through the next few weeks of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really am excited for the way that I think this is going to help my clarity and understanding of what I'm trying to communicate. And I was so. Uh, encouraged by it and it continues to kind of make me uh, think through what what it really looks like to walk in the spirit so yeah as always uh, hit the subscribe button or share if you think it would helpful you can pick up one of these stickers that are actually going to be on the front uh, desk this week so if you want to pick one of those up uh, you can do that leave a review uh, on our apple or android podcast app spotify yeah spotify YouTube. Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> My chosen favorite. Yeah. Kidding. Um, as always, thanks so much for listening and appreciate you and have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later. See ya.